All right. Okay. All right. That didn't work out too good. Good evening and welcome to the real unbiased conversation featuring Nita Story, Kiara Hester, and the Horace Towns. Today, we will be having a conversation with the elected and current council person for District 5, Councilman Douglas Lawson. Uh, before we go to Councilman Lawson, I want to give Nita Story and Kiara Hester a chance to give their brief uh, introductions while I set up our live feed. Nita Story. Hello, hello. Welcome, 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 Mr. Lawson. I am so happy that you are here. Happy Super Bowl weekend. Who are you going for? Oh, I, I really like the Rams in the Super Bowl. It'd be nice to see uh, the Bengals finally win one, but the Rams, I think, are going to take it. Yeah, we'll see. I am a Cowboys fan, but I kind of like, I love a comeback story. So I want the Bengals. You want the Bengals. Bring it home. Okay. I want the Bengals. And I and also, I, I've always wanted to tell you, I want to applaud you. This is not an endorsement to anybody, but I want to um, applaud you about your work in mental health in the Black community. Thank it you. is a conversation that surely needs to be had. As a mental health person myself, I've suffered from depression. Thank you for what you do for the Black community. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you so much. Um, it's something that we don't take advantage of in our community and just growing up, seeing it in my immediate family and also working in the industry as well and seeing calling a lot of the, the individuals that have come through the programs that I've done, you know, just my children, my friends, my partners, my, my, my brothers and sisters and seeing the struggles that they deal with is something that we have to address. And I think we can do that within the private sector and within government as well. So, but thank you. Thank you, thank you Ms. Nita. Carrie Hester, who will be representing the millennials. Hey, y'all. So sending you greetings from the fun one. My name is Kiara Hester, and I now live, work, and play in Riviera Beach. Go millennials. <laughs> but thank well, you, why you got to be for coming on. Yeah, the fun one. The fun one. The what? Yeah. I'm fun, I think. <laughs> Hey, so the reason for this conversation, a lot of people reached out via comments and messages to speak with me and Nita, and uh, we have a pattern that we wanted to correct in our community. Uh, one thing we said that we did not, in this city, focus on politics. Uh, in the past, there have been elections that were full of smear campaigns, slanted media articles, and we discussed everything but the qualifications and the plans of the candidates and elected officials. So what we want to do is actually give candidates and the residents the conversation that they really want to have. We're not going to talk about anyone's personal business, any allegations, any uh, he say, she say. We are going to keep it classy and give provide an example of what we believe a true conversation should be in Riviera Beach in 2022 and beyond. Tonight, we would do a rotation starting with Nita Story, myself, and Kira Hester to give questions to Councilman Douglas Lawson. Our intentions are to keep this conversation under an hour. At the 45 minute mark, we'll try to give our last questions or we'll wrap it up and give Mr. Lawson a chance to speak with the residents on why they should reelect him to office in Riviera Beach. You guys are ready? Nita's all you. Okay, my first question. Who is Mr. Lawson? Who is Doug Lawson, the man? Well, first and foremost, um, I just want to thank you guys for giving this platform to the residents, to everybody that's watching, to see what an elected official 
should represent for our community. Um, understanding as some of the millennials and even within myself, not seeing the importance of what local politics really does for communities. And that's where I come from, uh, servant leadership, really being a God-fearing man, first and foremost. Uh, recently married in October uh, and to my beautiful wife, Jade Lawson, and I have an 11-year-old daughter. Um, that's where my heart is. That's as a man, what I represent, my family first. Um, my father, mother, my mother and father are both local, which thank God they're both of Jamaican descent. And we are first generations born here um, in the United States, me and my brother. Growing up, we understood the importance of hard work, dedication, focus, and also servant leadership. Um, my mother worked for the same company for 25 plus years, and my father was an entrepreneur. So I kind of got a, a spin on both of them, uh, the good parts of both and, you know, learning about both of it and trying to be better trying to serve my community and trying to kind of be a servant leader. I come from a Suncoast Community High School, a class of 1999, go Chargers. And I was able to leave and go to University of Central Florida on a full scholarship where I received my undergraduate business administration and legal studies. After coming back home, I decided to open my businesses here in the community because I just saw a need for financial literacy, education, um, business leadership, entrepreneurship. And that's why I opened up my location here on the corner of Blue Heron Broadway uh, seven years ago. Before that, I owned a mental health substance abuse treatment center uh, where I focus on mental health in the minority community and providing support for residents in the community. So one of my initiatives for the city of Riviera Beach is actually mental yeah, health. Sorry, uh, we're still okay. So that was one of my focuses for the city of Riviera Beach because I own the Mental Health Treatment Center for a number of years and saw the importance of it in the minority community. And while I was actually working and living in the community and playing in the community, I also wanted to continue to serve. Um, I was providing jobs and opportunities, but also being a servant leader was something that I decided. And three years ago, I decided to run for, actually about four years ago, I spoke to some of the senators, uh, Senator Bobby Powell, uh, the previous house rep, Al Jaquette, and talked to them about the importance of you know serving on a local level and sparked my interest and said, let me go ahead and try to serve our community on the government side of things. And governance then became a part of my life and trying to serve the residents. And All right. The last three years. Thank you, Ms. Towns. Thank you, Ms. Nita. I had a question for you, but you kind of answered it. Uh, so I'm going to uh, go somewhere else with this. What would you say is your most, <clears throat> your first term, you're coming up to three years. What would you say you think would be your, the most impactful thing you've done while in office these first three years? Showing positive leadership to the residents of Riviera Beach. For far too long, um, the image has been portrayed by the media of trying to say that it's a city of turmoil, saying it's a divided community, saying that there's not positive leadership, and just trying to stand on our morals, changing the story. A lot of our leaders were very positive, very impactful, and they were amazing. Some of our forefathers did amazing things for our community. But trying to change that narrative of what Riviera Beach represents and what the direction of Riviera Beach is supposed to be going um, and building upon it. We have one of the most beautiful communities in, in, in the South. So we're the only beachfront, portfront railroad community focusing on small businesses, focusing on um, minority involvement in our community and focusing on mental health in our community. Those were the initiatives that I focused on within the first term and what I want to continue to build on, where we were able to actually establish an advocacy board for mental health in our community, for health and wellness of our community. But one of the most important things that I can say is from day one, I focused on a disparity study. A disparity study allows for minority participation for women and minority black businesses in our community to be able to receive funding from government 
government spending and have a requirement for government spending so that if anyone wants to spend money or make money with the city, at least a certain percentage has to be dedicated to the locals, minority and women businesses. So we've implemented a program and a plan which is called the disparity study to allow for us to demand that. And with that pitch in that direction of actually collecting the data and starting to move forward with the director of um, uh, Mr. Lee, uh, Dr. Lee, he actually worked with the county and the school district to establish that program. So we currently have hired him and, and have brought him in to actually establish the disparity study that can provide funding and keep the dollars circulating in the city of Riviera Beach. Because, you know, in the black community, they only circulate for about six hours. We need to change that image and change that narrative and make sure that money is spent here in the city of Riviera Beach. So I would say that was one of the most important things while serving, that we push that narrative. And every contract that's come through, the developers know, if you don't have minority and local participation, don't even bother to apply. And we've seen that with every contract that's come to the table for the last three years. Ms. Hester. Hello, Mr. Lawson. Good afternoon, Ms. Hester. How are you? I'm good. So the question that I have, um, I know you've accomplished a lot in this last term. Is there anything that you would have changed that you have already, you know, done or an event you've already done um, for the city of Riviera Beach? I honestly can't say there's anything that I would have changed. What I want to do is continue to build upon the things that we've done. Anything that's happened during this first term was a learning experience. There's no instruction manual uh, for when you get into government. That's the issue we have within uh, local politics is that there's no continuity in government, no succession planning. So to just say I've changed it, it gave me the opportunity to build and grow and teach the next generation, teach myself how to be better moving forward. So if I would have gone back and changed something, that means I wouldn't have learned from it. So what I would want to do is just learn from what I've actually experienced, be able to teach the next coming incoming elected how to actually continue to improve upon what I'm doing and continue to move forward and grow within myself as well. So um Honestly, there's nothing that I would have seen that has changed. There's just stuff that I want to see us continue to work on and improve upon, which will be the local minority spending, which will be addressing the dilapidated buildings. We've done some amazing things with making sure that we've approved the contract for two new fire stations where we got bonding for. We approved our city hall to move to our downtown corridor and develop our downtown corridor. And we're uh, approving our water plant. Number one concern what the residents stated during the last election for the number of years was the inferior water we had. We addressed that within a, a two to three year period with our administration and also going through a pandemic. So it's a lot of growth, a lot of progress, a lot of learning experience, a lot of bumps in the road, but it was all for the purpose of moving the city forward. So I'm excited with what we've accomplished. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hester. Okay. Stand on that water. Um, the water bills are high. Yes, um, and, you know, some of the residents really can't afford it. With the upcoming of the new treatment plant, would that help? with the reduction of the water bills? So we're doing what's called a P3 option with the water plant. It's a public-private partnership. And it gives us the opportunity to not lean too much on our residents for funding when it comes to the development and growth and building of the water plant. So we're actually reaching out to our state and federal uh, lobbyists and trying to receive some of the grants that's coming in from the American Rescue Plans. And that program that was passed specifically focused on the infrastructure of communities and water. So wastewater and also drinking water was one of the concerns that President Biden put into this American Rescue Plan. And we're trying to receive some of the benefits from that. Once we actually determine the exact cost of what the taxpayers, what the private sector and what grant funding we're gonna receive, then we can determine what the next 
10, 20, 30, 50 years are going to look like in regards to spending. Our goal, like we did with the actual, with the ad valorem tax, is to keep our rates at an affordable rate. Because we did not, for the last three years that we've been in office, change the ad valorem tax at all. We have to try to do the same thing because we understand that we're not increasing the mean income for our residents. So we can't increase the expenses and overhead in the bills. So our goal is to find additional streams of revenue to come in with uh, either paid parking for all the tourists that come visit our community, with other resources and creative funds to keep all of the bills down in our community so that we can keep the Avalorum tax and the water bills at an affordable rate. They've been increasing over the last years because we know that we have to provide funding and resources to actually get this new plant built. But once we do have that established and in place and we've taken control of that, we can hopefully keep those dollars at a certain affordable rate. All right. Uh, Mr. Lawson, <clears throat> we have you've been in the community for some time. You went to the greatest high school in the nation. Um, Crime has always been a thing that trends over years, over a five-year cycle. Uh, regarded to crime and people saying that the kids don't have anything to do or kids are behind some of the crime, yeah. what have you done while in office to engage the youth? Well, um, first thing, Commissioner Towns, I want to thank you for your service as well to the community. Um, the Housing Authority is something that we don't lean on enough as a city. And that's just part of addressing all the economics of our community because that plays a part with crime. We need to do a better job with partnering with the housing authority, with our CDC and addressing the economics, the housing situations, affordable workforce and, and market rate housing for residents so we can attract some uh, millennials so that we can keep the housing and keep the, the cost down for our residents. So I want us to do a better job, number one, with working with the housing authority. Number two, what we've done in regards to crime is it's not just a, a one-stop shop where you can just kind of either arrest uh, our young people or arrest individuals out. We have to address the economics. We have to address the education. We have to address the opportunities. Um, one of the things that was really vital within these last three years was reestablishing our PAL program, Police Athletically. That gave us the involvement between those kids that are really impressionable and influenced from the middle age, just coming out of elementary mm -hmm. to middle school. Those kids are really working with our officers one-on-one -on -one and seeing that you don't have to run from the popo. You don't have to, oh, that's 5-0 over there. I'm, I'm, like, honestly, you can have that relationship. And our community policing was something we put many dollars into. When they were having the national conversation of defunding the police, I didn't agree at all with that, honestly. I agreed with supporting our officers, but also reimagining. That's where we created and coined the image of Reimagine Riviera Beach, because within the Department of Police, we had to reimagine how our spending went for police officers the dollars that were going into hiring additional officers or hiring therapists and mental health support. Because actually on the mental health side, our police officers are the first line of defense. Because when somebody is going through trauma or breakdown, they call the police first. And if our officers aren't trained and engaged with how to handle that, then they literally just go in guns first versus going in with the fact of maybe they're having a, a breakdown, a disorder. Maybe they're going through some type of trauma that they're experiencing. So with the Police Athletic League, with building those relationships with the Housing Authority, with establishing 200 doors of, of affordable housing in our community, those are some of the things that we've immediately addressed. Now, moving forward, go ahead, sir. I will say, what have you personally done? Uh, what we've done is I actually advocated for the Police Athletic League, number one. Number two, I created a health and wellness mental health board to address the concerns of our residents. And we're actually going to be launching this advisory board within my second term. I'm working with NAMI currently to address the needs of our residents. And then also just providing opportunities 
first time home buying projects and first time affordable housing for our residents to change it from a rental community, a transient community to home ownership. Those are some of the things that we've personally done as a council and what I've personally done just to address the concerns of the residents. Um, the mental health board, like I said, um, we spoke earlier about is vital. That was one of the things that we have to stand by and stand on within the community to address the concerns of our residents and to address the crime with our residents. Police Athletic League, I've provided personal resources to our residents. I've even let them use my personal vehicle um, to actually commute the children so that it wouldn't be an additional bearing on the on the taxpayers. So taking the, the 15 passenger uh, around to actually get these children to the different events that the Police Athletic League has been using has been my thing over the last year and a half since we established it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry for interrupting you. I just know you guys earlier this year, you had a, there was a news article related to something about the youth you were doing and I didn't recall it. It was some kind of camp that you had. So that is separate and apart. So now I want to take off my councilman hat and more so step into the private sector um, within my nonprofit. And the program for the last six years was called Bridge to Infinity. Um, I'm sorry, the Infinity Foundation was what we established. We created the Bridge to Infinity, which was a spin off of, our, off of our foundation and gave us an opportunity to actually sit down with the children between the ages of 12 and 18 and to discuss the impact that our residents would have with the kids and the kids would have with the business owners. So with these children, we introduced them to entrepreneurs, to small businesses, to black owned businesses in the community and showed them what success really looks like. Um, a lot of them have seen kind of when they first come in my doors, they say, I want to be a football player. I want to be a basketball player, but also showing them that you can be successful, you know, being a businessman, entrepreneur, a commissioner, uh, a mechanic, a plumber, giving them options and alternatives to seeing what success really looks like and taking them to individuals that have brick and mortars in the community. So that was a program that we've actually established and run for about six years. And we actually had some of the kids out this past weekend just kind of, you know, discussing the needs of setting up their own business entrepreneurship, uh, credit, financial literacy, and they're excited. The parents love the fact that we do this program on a regular basis. And that is something in addition to being an elected official in my private sector and, you know, my family that we provide as well to the residents. Sorry about that, Ms. Hester. It's okay. Uh, Mr. Lawson, are you interested in uh, reestablishing the junior council that we once had for Riviera Beach? So, the engagement that we need from all of our residents, um, we've only really focused on our seniors and our young people for a number of years. We've provided programs and opportunity through our Lindsay Davis Center with the seniors and the young people. We really provide as much opportunities with our parks and recs and programming through through the kids mentorship programs, our millennials and our, our working class and the youth advisory program is something that we have to address. We have to bring that back and bring that partnership so that we can get our residents that may leave to go off to college, that may go straight into the work and, uh, workforce and get them engaged. So that youth advisory board, I think, would be perfect to work with government, to work with the city, to get our young people and working class and middle-aged people in the commitment to being involved in the city of Riviera Beach. Because we talk about our, our, our slogan of live, work, and play, but we have to address some of the things where they have opportunities for jobs. We have to provide them uh, gainful employment. We have to provide them housing opportunities. So I think that advisory board would be vital to actually be able to establish and build and grow on that some more. So yes, I am absolutely supportive of it. Thank you. Sure. You um, spoke about you know community policing and, and the police. Do you support the sheriff coming into the city? Absolutely not. 
Um, we recently passed a a we recently passed an ordinance where the voters uh, would actually be able to determine um, what departments would be uh, susceptible for you know change in our community, um, and that was that went to, it's going to go to the voters. Me personally, as a commissioner, as an elected official have seen the impact of what community policing, what support of our residents, what homegrown individuals in our community can do. Our residents, uh, black people, honestly, have had trauma from a number of years just of police in general, the history of what police uh, policing came from, and it's continued through generations. So we have to make a conscious effort to address it and to oversee it and to support the officers. And I think we would lose some of that support with going over to the sheriff and bringing the sheriff into our community. So I don't support them at all. I love our department. I love our police force. And I think that we can continue to build and work uh, uh, more aggressively with them to even improve the quality of life for our residents and the relationship with them. So I support my officers of uh, Riviera Beach Police. Uh, Mr. Councilman, you have, uh, Mr. Lawson, I'm so sorry. Um, I know developments are coming and we're looking at the progress of the Marina phase two. We're looking at the Broadway corridor, but what are your plans or what do you think uh, your plans are for the blighted properties in the city already? How do you address those as council person if elected again? We've already started with that. Uh, we've put a, a million dollars towards infield housing, uh, funding for infield housing. Like I told you at the beginning, we have to build that partnership with the housing authority because we have over 120 uh, vacant, dilapidated homes and parcels in the city of Riviera Beach. What I've seen them do in uh, Tampa, Florida, when we visited for a conference, was they worked with the housing authority, they worked with their CDCs, and they allowed for development of the housing, the slum and blight in our community, because um, mostly the CRA is supposed to address that. We have the honor of sitting on both boards as the commissioner and the CRA uh, council person. I'm sorry, commissioner for the CRA and, and council person for the city. So addressing the slum and blight in the CRA, but also focusing throughout Riviera Beach. We can't just focus on those two, two, two to three roads in Riviera Beach since our CRA. We have to help the residents all over. Um, that go from Barack Obama all the way out west. So we've put a million dollars towards infield housing. We have to put additional funding towards the first-time home buyers, and we're working with the county on the Brooks uh, project, which is right on S Avenue, which is going to bring 22 new single-family houses to our community. And we're going to focus on making sure that goes to first-time home buyers with receiving ship or or grant funding for actually home ownership. We have to change the the narrative when it comes to properties in our community. We have about 15% home ownership. 85% transient renters and snowbirds. That's not acceptable for a community that we want to hold on to. I had an honest conversation and and I had to had to be real with my with everybody that's watching that we've lost Riviera Beach. And if we don't put our flag down and hold on tight, it's going to completely be gone. For the amount of properties, every single one of our relatives, friends have either received offers for their property, for the, the, the ownership to say, we're going to offer you market rate or over market rate. Some of our residents, some of the, the, the longstanding owners have never even seen that kind of money thrown at them for their houses. I'm asking my residents to hold tight, pass it on to generations. Let's train our children to actually how to manage home ownership, entrepreneurship, um, building their credit, getting interest rates for mortgages, and keeping those properties in the community. We have to work together and educate our residents on how to actually hold on to these properties because this is the last bit of affordable real estate in the, the, the Southeast region. 
we're all a stone throw away from the ocean all the way to military. That's the closest you've ever been. So my residents, we have to focus on the home ownership and we have to provide within government support for that. So that's going to be the infield housing, the first time home buying programs, working with the county with the ship funding, and then using some of the resources that our state and federal government has. We have to build that relationship with um, our newly elected house rep, uh, Javante Edmonds, with our our Congresswoman, Sheila McCormick, and say, listen, the importance of our community is addressing infrastructure, our dilapidated buildings, addressing housing crisis, and also raising the median income for our residents. That's the only way that we're going to be able to address that housing issue that we do have. Okay. Is it on me? I think it's on me. Yes. Okay. So, Mr. Lawson, um, right now we have about 800 of our youth that is bused out to Dwyer High School. What are your plans with bridging the gap between Riviera Beach and the Palm Beach County School District? Ooh, it's, it's actually, it's just over 900. I just met with Principal Brooks uh, a couple months ago, and I met with our, our, our new administrator, um, uh, Mr. Burke. And, and the school district the city, the port, and the county need to build better relationships within the city of Riviera Beach. We can't demand or request certain things when we're not actually building that relationship up. And we have to work on making a conscious effort to say, hey, the school district, we want you guys to come into the city and work with us. We want to develop the land that we have that's been sitting there vacant. We have a partial land zone by the school district next to Barracuda Bay. We have Inlet, that is a dilapidated building. Inlet, formerly known as one of the greatest high schools in uh, Riviera Beach, Suncoast. And seeing that school and walking to that school, it, it, it brings tears to my eyes because walking into that locker, walking into that gym, walking to that cafeteria is the same thing that I walked in. And it actually looks worse than when I was there. That's terrible for us to have these type of conditions in our community. Not to mention that 65, 70% of our kids are being bussed out to Palm Beach Lakes, Dwyer, and Gardens. So the trauma that also puts onto our children is something we have to address. We have to build that relationship with our, our school district, with the district representatives. Um, uh, Dr. Robinson and myself have a great relationship when it comes to addressing certain concerns in the community uh, with mental health, with support for the schools, Ms. Emma Banks over at Inlet, and also addressing some of the opportunities of possibly uh, bringing in some type of uh, community high school. We've had those conversations, but we need to address them immediately. Last but not least, trades and entrepreneurship. We have to bring in the right programs, working with Riviera Beach Prep, working with Inlet, and giving these kids the opportunity because we have one of the largest marine life uh, areas here in the city, Rybovich and Viking. So it's really establishing those relationships with local government, with our county, our state, and also local businesses and private sector to give those children the opportunity so that they can be gainfully employed. The school issue is one of the major issues that we've tried to address, but it's difficult because we don't have our own home high school. We don't have a school that kids can walk to or ride their bike to right in our community. And like I said, the trauma is on these kids that they're waking up at four or five in the morning just to get to school on time, to jump on a bus. Imagine what that does to these children that have to you know, be uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed by seven, and then take another two hours just to get back home after school. They're literally drained, and all they're doing is just trying to get an education, and it's not fair to our children. So we have to make a conscious effort to figure out, is it going to be a community high school? 
Are we going to continue to bust these children out of our city or are we going to provide them other trades and opportunities so that they can stay in the city? So there's multiple options that we're working with and working with our, our Dr. Robinson, working with our, our county commissioners and working with the schools that are here. We have to address that immediately. It's conversations that we're currently having now. Nita Florida. I'm here. Okay. Um, the homes in the CRA and the businesses in the CRA district, they receive different things. Like they receive the ring cameras. They receive, you know, different benefits from out, homes outside of that district. Um, interviewing a candidate last night, she mentioned that the district leader, I mean, the, um, the district candidate, Council person, I'm sorry, I was at a loss for words, can <laughs> partner with the CRA to get these benefits in their district if needed. Was this something that the council person that the council knows about? And if not, if they do, why is it not being initiated? So addressing the partnering with the CRA, you have to be very careful and cautious when it comes to spending. Um, the dollars that come in for the CRA are supposed to be spent just in the CRA district. Um, we have other boards uh, like our housing authority, like our CDC, um, CDE, that allow for us to spend dollars that are given to these organizations outside of that CRA area. But I would honestly have to defer to legal. I'm not sure about that process of what can actually be spent with the ring cameras and, and actually improvements outside. I just know that what I've learned is that any dollars that are, are generated from the CRA, um, any TIF dollars that come in, any resources have to be spent in the CRA district. So, um, but it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a learning process. It's understanding what our other CRAs are doing and how they're being creative. Uh, that's why uh, traveling to these conferences and understanding and speaking to government, it lets us understand what dollars can be spent and where they can be spent and how they can be spent. Um, in the CRA location, one of the things that I do know is that we have been providing the support We've provided hundreds of thousands of dollars for renovations and revitalization. I do know that the CDC has also built properties and has been housing all over Riviera Beach and Heron, and also the housing authority is recently on phase two of Heron Estates, which is gonna be our single family development. So housing funding and support is happening. We have to find ways of being creative with the CRA without it breaking any laws. Um, and then also, you know, making sure that our grant dollars are coming in properly to address some of the issues in the different residents, um, the different areas of Riviera Beach. Those grant dollars that we can actually obtain from, you know, the American Rescue Plan from our, our state and federal lobbyists. They've actually given us the opportunity to earmark dollars now. So we'll be knocking on uh, on Congresswoman Miss uh, um, McCormick's door and saying, listen, we need you to send dollars directly to Riviera Beach because sending them through to the state, then to the county and then trickle down to, you know, our little 40,000 residents, it, it tends to not happen. So those are the things where we have to kind of lean on them to bring in some additional dollars and funding for uh, the city of Riviera Beach as a whole and not just address the slum and bite in the CRA. Um, Mr. Lawson, I uh, as you say, you've been a city council person for almost three years. Yes, sir. Uh, during the campaign process, I think we have not did our due diligence as residents. Uh, a lot of times we will let campaign candidates or elected officials say they're going to do something without a real realistic plan. Uh, education is an issue, uh, and that might be a, more of a millennial question, so sorry, Kiara. Uh, but with education uh, in our community, uh, being stressed, what is a realistic approach uh, as, as a council person that you're going to take to improve 
uh, the education and the rating of our schools? Is it even because most people don't know who does what? So right. what can you do as a council person to uh, improve the experience for our students and for our kids? So the montage is reimagining Riviera Beach is reimagining every aspect of Riviera Beach and the expectation of an elected official. I caught a lot of slack my first uh, first year in office when I tried to provide support and funding to our elementary schools and our middle schools. Um, and we actually provided dollars through our education fund to uh, some of the schools. I went over to meet with Principal Granger or Mary McLeod and assist with the programming that they have because they have a program where any children that actually go through the program of Mary McLeod and get to JFK is automatically accepted into Suncoast. That gives an additional opportunity for our residents to have kids that may not uh, have gotten accepted or are brought in through the choice program to get to Suncoast that can actually get through as long as they graduate with scores of uh, passing them through Mary McLeod and also JFK. Those dollars actually came from this, the city, but I immediately got pushback because certain residents didn't want us to spend the taxpaying dollars on the school district because they feel like the school district should be responsible. Traditionally and historically, the city commissioner is supposed to bring a balanced budget. They hire the city manager and they bring a balanced budget. That's the role of a city commissioner for the city of Riviera Beach. That's unfortunate because I think that the role can be expanded to being able to provide additional support, servant leadership, education to our residents and support through our school district. Because that's the only way we're going to be able to address some of the crime and concerns in our residents. That's the only way that we're going to be able to address the slum and blight in our community. Because if we don't address education, economic status, and mental health, then our residents won't be able to really enjoy to live, work, and play in our community. The next thing that I actually focused on in regards to that education is partnering with the school district to give them an opportunity that they can actually actually have a, 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 a living and, and, I'm sorry, one second, working with the school district and actually giving them an opportunity to actually understand the importance of what an elected official, what a residence, and what the school district is supposed to do. Um, with the meeting with Superintendent Burke, we were able to discuss some programs, and I think the trade programs need to be really addressed in our city. Trades and opportunities in the community is how we're going to be able to assist with the educational process because every every individual is not allowed a, a, a the opportunity to go to a, a four-year institution. They're not allowed the opportunity to go off to college. So we need to provide every opportunity possible. That relationship with the superintendent, with the school district and the county brings the additional education and programs so that these residents, I know some plumbers and, uh, and, and HVAC individuals that were making more money than me, two times the amount of money when I graduated from a four-year degree. So giving that opportunity to our kids as well and providing them with multiple resources than just you know the traditional ABC one, two, three of educational process. Okay, is it on me again? Well, you took my question, but you got so many. <laughs> I do. So we also have the Citizens Leadership Academy here in Riviera Beach. Do you support maybe adding a hands-on sector of that program? Like, um, I've actually went through the Citizens Leadership Academy. Um, I was actually the class spokesperson last year, but. Um, you learn about every system, every policy, every department. 
Um, however, I think maybe adding that hands-on approach um, could just improve the program and move it even uh, more forward in a more positive direction because the program is already phenomenal. Do you support maybe um, in the future adding on that hands-on um, component? So, well, congratulations, Ms. Hester. You were one of the recent graduates and the spokesperson for our Leadership Academy. And that's where we actually, I believe that was the inaugural class that transferred over from just being under the direction and leadership of one of my colleagues to being a city-run initiative. So it was exciting to see the graduates come through and actually utilize the resources of this program to learn more about governance and government and working hands-on. Succession planning and continuity in government is something that I've, I've literally pitched day in and day out with providing opportunities and jobs to residents to say, let's get gainfully employed. Let's work with government. Let's work with our, our, our young people. Let's work with our, our working class, work with our seniors to introduce them to what we actually do on a day-to-day -day basis. I went through the leadership, uh, the leadership academy actually right before I was running for office. And I learned about the different nuances of what the commissioner is supposed to do, what our police department, our parks and rec. And these are things that, you know, in, close to 40 years of life, I just didn't understand. And some of the millennials need to be educated on that process as well, because me coming back from college, the importance of my life was just focusing on, you know, national elections. I worked on the Obama campaign. I supported, and that's where I got really involved. I worked with uh, SGA when I was in college and I was uh, the president of National Panhellenic Council. So being that individual and understanding that on the state federal levels, the impact that we have on a local level where your commissioner can literally stroke a pen today and change the, the rules, policy, and way of life for our residents tomorrow is something that we kind of have to educate our residents on and build that academy. And then that actually establishes that continuity in government, that establishes that, con that succession planning and lets our residents know, hey, you can be involved and engaged, and this is how you're going to do it. So there's no learning curve. So when the next set of commissioners, because we have term limits, come into play, we can actually continue with the process of developing our community. Everybody's not going to think the same or do the same thing, but what they will do is still move in the positive direction and not have that shortcoming or that learning curve that it takes for some of us as electeds that hadn't had that experience or that background to know exactly how to operate within governments, what needs to be done, and what we can and cannot do. So that gives us that opportunity to kind of move forward within the local government. And it's such an amazing tool. I'm honored that uh, Commissioner Miller-Anderson actually created and came up with that program because we were able to actually expand that even further. We were able to develop it even further. And now we're actually creating more vehicles for our city so that it's not just in the hands of the five commissioners and the city manager. It's now really in the hands of all of our residents that go through and learn the tools necessary and they can assist with the sitting commissioners and they can be some of the ones that actually take the roles and take the reins for the next, you know, next class to come in as an elected official. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hester. What are your thoughts on the direction of the city right now? And how can you make a difference to ensure that the city stays on track and do what is best for the residents? Thank you, Ms. Uh, Ms. Nita, I think that I'm just ecstatic. When I hear that, I just see that we're open for business. We hit the ground running. We've changed the image, direction, trajectory of what the city was, was portrayed to be. Now, I'm not saying that we were in a bad place. It was just the perception. There were so many things that we could improve upon that we continue to move upon. And our goal was to tell our story, number one, it's just following some of your stories and your initiatives that, that you've done. You've literally highlighted the city, everything that's been going on and allowed for our platforms to tell that story. 
So the excitement that we've had with the brand new fire station, um, the two new fire stations we approved, the new water plant, the new city hall, the new police station, substation, the new city library, which actually also has, to go back to one of your earlier questions about how we're helping the youth, is we created a cafe that's exclusively run by our YEP program and only employs children from the community. That's something that's right here in the city. Adding the 200 doors of workforce housing and then also continuing to build upon some of the development in our community, that was our goal and what our initiative and what we were able to plant our, our, our flag on and say, this is what we've accomplished. We also did that during a pandemic. So going from being policymakers, addressing a, a balanced budget, and also addressing the dilapidated buildings in our community, we had to become healthcare workers and support our residents through this by providing resources, PED masks, providing uh, vaccinations and shots, and then also going into the process of still trying to run a government and balanced government. So those are some of the things that we've accomplished. To continue that, we have to keep some continuity in government. Like I said, we don't have the time or the ability to have a, a, a change to where there's a learning curve. Um, a lot of the elected sitting up there understand the process. They understand the direction we're going. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say everybody is on the same page, but we all understand that we have to move the city forward. I'm honored that our city manager is doing a great job with providing that support to our residents and trying to stabilize our community. There's, of course, things that we can learn from and do better to move us forward. But right now, at least I can speak for District 5. I think I hit the ground running. I focused on development. I focused on financial literacy. I focused on education. I focused on a balanced budget and trying to make sure that I had a, a, a peaceful mindset when it came to working with my colleagues, to understand that we have different minds, we have different directions, and we have different feelings when it comes to how we actually address certain concerns, but always being respectful of that bias, always being in a position to know that we may disagree, but we can disagree in an honorable and a peaceful way. Because at the end of the day, it's about improving the quality of life with our city. So our goal is to stay consistent, to make sure that we continue to push forward addressing the major concerns of dilapidated buildings. We've addressed the water, addressing some of the housing crisis, and increasing the median income for our residents. Those are how we do that. And through the leadership board with civil, civic engagement, through the, the, the partnerships that we've created with the PAL program, uh, Police Athletic League, through the relationships that we've built with the county, we can continue to do that and kind of make it one Revere B so we can actually be really the, the best city to live, work, and play. All right. Um, Mr. Lawson, I can go so many different directions. Uh, I got two questions. One may not be you know what you may be the best person for this because like i said a lot of people really don't know the role of council city manager what's feasible or not but and you've spoken about housing really, really right now a lot of people are outraged about the rising price and rent this is around the county this is around the nation as a council as a council person what would you propose uh to your council to address the the rising the high rising uh, rent that is going on is driving a lot of people out of our community. I hope that's not a redundant question. No, not at all. Um, and it's actually something I struggle with all the time. You know, I, I come from the private sector. One of my many career paths was a, I've been a licensed realtor for the last 17 years, a mortgage broker for 10 years and focused on credit and financial literacy. Um, and seeing, you know, the market crash twice in the last 15 years, it's difficult because I know that there's always peaks and valley when it comes to the real estate market. 
It's always going to go up and down. Um, for some reason, there's some consistency in South Florida, but I understand it's because of our uh, no no state tax and you know sunshine 364 days out the year. So it gives us an opportunity to have and attract people from all over the world that want to you know position themselves right down here in Palm Beach County, especially Riviera Beach with uh, affordable real estate and beachfront real estate, and they're willing to pay whatever. Um, some of our northerners will say, hey, you know what? I'll pay three, four times over market. Appraisals, even if the house doesn't appraise in certain communities, I've seen that people are paying five, ten, twenty thousand dollars over appraised value. What does that do for our residents? Because development is happening. Gentrification is happening. But we have to do development without displacement. Safe development. I don't want us to look like a place like uh, Harlem where uh, I was born in Bronx, New York. My family moved down here when we were four years old because it was just too cold up there. That's one of the reasons that so many people moved to, to South Florida. But the issue that we're running into, like places like Harlem, is that it's being developed at a pace where the residents can't afford to live there anymore. Individuals were pushed out of their areas. Um, there's a place called Hempstead, New York, uh, which is near Long Island, New York. It had the same thing where development happened. Values went through the roof. But government had to address how our residents can actually remain and stay and not be displaced. One of the things that I focused on was what Maynard Jackson did uh, back in the 70s and 80s was focus on development with minority ownership and participation. That's the reason that we spoke about a disparity study, because the importance of a disparity study actually allowed for not just you know, individuals to receive money from one-time building. Maynard put it in positions where all development over a million dollars had to have minority and local ownership involved, up to at least 30%. So imagine if now we took back ownership by demanding that any development that came had minority ownership, had Black-owned ownership. We would be able to hold on and stabilize what we have here. Um, Commissioner Bard, uh, Bernard, Mac Bernard, was leading an a, a, a initiative for countywide stabilization, uh, stabilizing the market. That's something that we're working with with Commissioner Bernard, but it's difficult to kind of, you know, delve into with government into the private sector and tell people what they can and cannot charge for rents. Providing those resources and support to the to the housing sector, providing the first time home ownership, providing housing resources, providing additional funding for, for voucher programs. Those are things that we've done in our community, but we also didn't actually educate our residents with the voucher program on how they could take that voucher into home ownership. You can literally transfer your home voucher, your Section 8 voucher, and use that same program into being a first-time home buyer. They take money that you're actually putting into the program and actually transfer those into your down payment while they work on your credit, while they work on down payment assistance. And that first-time Section 8 voucher that you have that some of our families are accustomed to can actually allow for them to actually have home ownership with the same voucher and assist with uh, funding to the mortgages. So those are programs that we have to make common practice and common knowledge to our residents and working with the different areas. Um, so it's difficult to put any type of county or state uh, ordinance or legislation over rental rates or values of houses because, of course, you know, homeowners want to increase the value of their property, you know, have more equity in your property. But also that increases the expenses, that increases your taxes. The insurance premiums are something that we have to look at on a state and a federal level because insurance premiums have gone up over 100% just on insurance rates for homes. So that real estate market is what creates wealth in our community. How do we hold on to what we have and how do we capture what's out there and actually bring it back to our community? 
are millennials, want to bring them back home. They leave, we want them to come back. But they need to be able to not just be a transient, not just want to, you know, uh, get an Airbnb or rental, not working, you know, all over on the beach somewhere. We want them to come back home. So getting engaged with government and giving them opportunities to say, here's some first time home buying dollars. Here's $100,000 to buy your house. We understand prices are through the roof, but we want home ownership. So the SHIP program goes up to $100,000, depending on your median income. The funding that they have for the different programs can assist, but we have to make a conscious effort with getting that done. Um, as an elected, I know I know our ad valorem tax, I know the pushback we would get with trying to put money into the housing or put money into education. But I mean, we got to put our foot down somewhere. And I'll take the pushback and the slack. I've, I've gotten a lot of it over the last three years. It's okay. But I know that we have to create home ownership. We have to create better educational programs for our residents. And we have to give them an opportunity to, to be gainfully employed while still being able to afford to pay their water bill, power bill, and their mortgage. Okay. Well, I do have one last question for you, Mr. Lawson. Not yet, Ms. Hester. We, we just <laughs> yes. So we are approaching time. So, oh, goodness. I got um, all night. We have seen the events. We, um, Some of us have, well, speaking for the millennials, have watched the city council meetings. We see the backlash. We see the shade. Um, we see the difficulty sometimes, the questions, the out-of-line questions. What message do you have to the millennials that have that has lost trust in Riviera Beach? I wouldn't say lose trust just yet, millennials. What I would say is just give us an opportunity. Um, Welcome to government. This is essentially what government is. It's uh, agreeing to disagree. It's literally, you know, divide. It's 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 putting your opinions on the other. It's 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 red and blue. It's it's gang related. It's it's focused on essentially what people have done for hundreds of years. They disagree on certain items, but our end goal is to move the city forward, and our end goal is to always improve the quality of life for our residents. Certain people come from different backgrounds, from different experiences. So there's trauma that we've experienced. There's understanding of education that we've experienced. There's how we actually work with one another. How you engage with your brother, your sister, and your business partner is different in almost every household because of what you've personally experienced. I can't knock any other individual for how they actually engage with somebody that they may do business with. We have some uh, retired, we have a retiree on our board. We have a, a uh, administrator on our board. Uh, we have business owners on our board. We have such a diverse board that it gives us an opportunity to see different opinions and different walks of life from every sector of our city. So as long as we can do it in a respectable fashion and we can continue to tell the story in a, a genuine light, we're going to, it's going to get heated because when you talk about your concerns and your disagreement and you have such a love for your community, you do it with passion. You do it with vigor. So sometimes when I may disagree with my city manager, that that gentleman is one of the smartest men that I know, and he's also focused on improving the city. He fought through a lot of the issues that he had with the community and actually came back. He could have went anywhere else in the world. Very educated. He also went to the University of Central Florida, and he was wanted to come back to Riviera Beach to help us grow. I don't agree with everything he does because that's what government's all about. I'm not supposed to. I wasn't elected to just be a yes man for anyone. I was elected to speak about the concerns of every residence of Riviera Beach and to address how we can move us forward and the differences of opinion. So that's why we go ahead and we can have the, 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 the great dialogue and discussions. And there's certain things I may or may not agree with. 
That's why there's five voting members that allow for us to vote on what the majority wants. And once that's done, we all do that together. I support anything that the board has voted on to move our city forward as long as the majority has voted on that. So thank you. And all I appreciate it, Ms. Hester. Thank you so much. Need I have no more questions. So your last one and then allow Mr. Lawson to wrap up. Um, why should you be reelected? <sighs> I'm the best person for this job. I've put in my blood, sweat, and tears into serving this community. I've literally given everything that we can to make sure that the city that I'm from, the city that I grew up in, this little beautiful eight square miles is something that we put on a national map. I want us to really understand that continuity in government is necessary, that succession planning is necessary. I don't think anybody else is in a position to take on the major hurdles that the city has come to. The major, the major accomplishments that we've done need to continue to build upon. I currently know the issues. I know what the I know what the concerns of our residents are, and I know what we've been working on when it comes to addressing dilapidated buildings addressing uh, the slum and blight in our community. So we are not in a position right now to have a change in District 5. We're in a position to continue to build and grow upon what we've learned. Now, term limits give us an opportunity to be able to have a commissioner in place for up to nine years, three different terms. I think it takes just that first term for an individual to really understand and be prepared to move our city forward. And the second term is going to be continuing to hit the ground running. But that first term was also was also uh, marred by uh, a pandemic. Thank God for the ones that made it through. And I'm praying for the families that actually, you know, lost a loved one during this time. I actually lost my business partner and a very close friend uh, last year. Uh, and I'm experiencing it now with trying to run both of our offices together and and just, you know, holding his little girl sometimes. It's 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 a it's a trying time because we've never experienced this in the history of, of, of any of us. I think the last pandemic was over 100 years ago. And right now, doing that in government and still being able to move the city forward with the accomplishments that the city has done, I think tells a lot to the sitting commissioners and it tells a lot to what we've done in District 5. So I'm honored to continue to serve. I'm honored to move us forward. And I'd be honored to continue to serve this beautiful community because I believe that I am the very best man for this job, and I'm going to continue to do this with a humble heart and with a servant leadership. So I just want to thank you guys for the time, because giving this platform to our residents is something that they need to understand. They need to be uh, make a conscious effort on who they're circling on that, that dot on that bubble and saying this is actually who we're voting for. And this is what's happening in government. So I thank you guys. Well, Douglas, you must be very important to the viewers out there. I want to apologize because our live feed was interrupted. So I will actually be reposting our YouTube. Because I was a former hacker, someone tried to actually hijack our feed while we we're doing live today. But I actually go to do to many platforms. So I'll just be reposting from other platforms. So our actual Facebook was interrupted. And I only know the kind of people that kind of have those capabilities, but 
always interesting. But that's the purpose of having this conversation, the real unbiased. I think it's pretty that shows we're doing something. Well, Commissioner Towns, I, I appreciate you trying to get the message off. I'm gonna ask everybody that's watching this to reshare it hundreds of times so they can actually see. And and I don't want to discredit anybody. I want everybody to have the opportunity to state their piece, talk about what they're going to do, and we bring on all conversations. So I'm not I'm not gonna let a a lowly hacker try to stop the progress of our city. I'm going to keep pushing and keep sharing. So anybody watching, share it for me. All right. Yeah, I will restore the link and I'll actually post the YouTube link, which will have this archive episode. And we will uh, invite everyone to go and post your comments. Even after the show, Mr. Lawson will respond. Uh, closing comments from Ms. Hester or Ms. Nita Story. Um, yes. Um, I want to say thank you, Mr. Lawson. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for giving us your service over these last three years. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I also want to say um, all the candidates have been given an invitation to come on the platform. So it's on them to accept it or not to accept it. And then Rod James will be with us on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. He is the candidate for District 1. Okay. And do know that we do this for free. Listen. Uh, this we're taking our time, our energy, and I'm using my studio to deliver something for our residents. So don't say we don't give back, uh, Ms. Hester. Ms. Hester, closing comments. All the best to you in the election, Mr. Lawson. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Ms. Hester. Thank you, Ms. Nita. Last Stone. words, Mr. Lawson. Mr. Of thank you, I, thank you, thank you. I appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. Okay, stay tuned as we go backstage. All right, guys. Thank you for coming.